Hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. We don't have a catchy name for our listeners, do we? Uh, I tried to, like, come up with one on the spot. I don't have one. Uh, I'm not. I'm not there. I don't know. I thought of one. I really like it. Yeah? Earbenders. Earbenders? Yeah, because you listen to, listen to audio with your ears, <laughs> but it sounds like airbenders. Hey, it's a double entendre. <laughs> the best kind of entendres. Literally about hearing. Welcome to another episode of Avatar The Last Podcast. This week, we have episodes 7 and 8 of book 1 on the, the docket. Yeah, and this is a, this is a two-parter, our first two-parter. Sort of. Yeah, so right off the bat, I was going to say, I'm kind of down to treat them like one episode. Like, don't, we don't have to necessarily break it up into episodes. Although, I will admit, this does kind of feel like two separate episodes with one tying note. Yeah, this is less of a two-parter than some of the other stuff we're going to see later on. It really does have two distinct settings, two distinct sort of themes of each episode. They're, I think they're really, like you said, they're sort of tied together by that one note. We could, yeah, we could treat it as one, but I mean, obviously, we could start at the beginning and sort of and sort of progress through it. I don't know. I think that's fine. Yeah, that's why we usually do it anyways. I just we'll call it the division line, but I'm not too worried about like skipping ahead of ourselves. It does kind of make sense if we're talking about both simultaneously. Would you like to do the honors as usual of reading out the uh, synopsis for the first part? Sure. So, uh, we're book one. Episode 7, which is called Winter Solstice Part 1, The Spirit World. Alright, so. The gang finds themselves in a small Earth Kingdom village under attack by a Spirit World monster. Aang attempts to stop the monster from destroying the town and is accidentally transported to and trapped within the Spirit World. Meanwhile, Iroh gets captured by a group of Earth Kingdom soldiers and Zuko must track him down. That's a lot of good information right up front that I really am happy with. Uh, it's an interesting episode. It's a lot of new things. It's our first introduction to the spirit world. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, uh, we don't hear about that too much. I think I, maybe it's mentioned in passing, but the actual spirit world, there being a separate sort of world and, and them having that link. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we go into as much detail until now. No. Uh, I think... I don't think it's brought up at all up until this point. I know it becomes a bigger deal, especially in the next series. But this is, I think, our first introduction to it. I would, I would agree. I think, um, I, I don't think we see it before now, and it plays a big role. And and spirituality and the 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 presence of spirituality in this universe is is something we see a lot in in both of these episodes, quite honestly. And it's very different, obviously, from what we're used to. Um, so it's interesting how they're, how they're introducing it to us. Yeah, it's a, it's like, again, they're really good at holding our hand through big changes like this. Like, it's a really light touch of, like, there's spirit worlds, there's a spirit creature. The Avatar is a, is the link between, or the bridge, as they put it, between these two worlds. It's light, it's not too much, it's not, like, exposition for no reason, it's what the characters need to know or don't already know and them equally as confused as we are yeah and it positions ang or the avatar i guess we can say in general at the center of this of this intersection between 
the human world and the spirit world. And the Avatar is meant to be the great bridge, and that sort of becomes the main conflict point, or not conflict point, but it becomes the main difficulty for Aang uh, in this first episode here, because Aang is sort of learning this at the same time as all of us. He's like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm, that's me. I'm, I'm going to be this, you know. That, yeah. <laughs> I'm the Avatar. That, that means, obviously, this is my job. Um, and so we, we get more tidbits about his past and that sort of no one really taught him. He never really had the opportunity to learn just because of running away and such. And, and now it really emphasizes how tough his task uh, that lies ahead of him is. Yeah, it, it really does open up the avenue to more than just what we've known so far of there. there's a war. The Avatar will end the war. How, what, who, why, where, what is the Avatar's real purpose? Other than just being a peacekeeper, has been kind of vague up to this point. But we now find out that there is not only a spirit world, but he is the bridge between the two. He or she, depending on your Avatar. Sorry. Hashtag don't gender my Avatar. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we genuinely get to a point now where we have our first bit of real new information since the beginning of the series yeah and it's a biggie and and mm-hmm. to, to to i guess i will arc it a bit together as we now have a a time frame or a time limit uh for ang to actually achieve his goal you know at first yeah we're like, not even a time not even i mean a time limit but even just a comparison he's being told again we're jumping ahead here but being told by avatar roku in the spirit world it takes years to master all the elements. You've got a few weeks. Or a few months. I, I remember what the time frame he gives is exactly. I think it's a few months. I, would say. I don't know exactly when it is when it is in reference. But but yeah, exactly. It's, it's, at first we're like, okay, there's a war. The Fire Nation is the antagonist. Aang just got to learn the elements. And then he'll sort of happen along and, and go see the Fire Lord and, and defeat him. But now it's like, no, 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 you got to beat the Fire Lord, like, now, or the sooner the better. Uh, oh, you don't know any of the other elements besides airbending? Oh, tough, you know, tough luck. Oh, too, too bad. <laughs> You're gonna... Literally, it took me years to mask them all, and I'm an old man. You're like, what, a 12-year-old kid? Eh, go have fun. Also, we learned Zuko's age in this episode. Yes. Yes, we do. He's, uh, she's... I didn't write 16. it down. He's 16. 15? I, I felt 16. I felt it was worth writing down for some reason. Yeah, I didn't write it down, but I'm like, oh, his age. And I think I knew this. I've watched it a few times before, but yeah. Again, your advantage to mine. The- so I do want to dive into a little more of the content of the episode. And I think, it's, again, mm-hmm. one of my favorite bits is that we're getting a bit of story for the other characters. We're getting a, a bit of uh, Zuko and Iroh, and we actually get a bit of story that is purely them versus the earth nation i like that i like uh, first of all that we learn a little bit more about iroh's backstory um mm-hmm. in the sense that he was a general in the fire fire nation army uh he laid siege to bossing say our first mention of bossing say by the way yes uh, we I took note of that as well we don't see it but we will we will um he laid siege to bossing say for 600 days so about before his men got tired and wanted to go home yeah uh, essentially he was unsuccessful in his in his uh siege so 
I think up until now, yes, we sort of saw inklings of Iroh being a very competent, uh, even great firebender. But mm-hmm. up until now, we'd sort of seen him as like a, a you know, foolish comic relief character. Comic relief character. Maybe foolish is not the right word, but very, very easygoing. Just wants to drink his yeah, tea. Yeah, kind of and... like I mean. I think I brought it up before, kind of a lot of shows reference that or have that as a reference is the character who is all-knowing and super knowledgeable and, like, the best of the best, but have grown aloof to the the necessity and can be laid back and chill and relaxed and kind of funny while still being a mentor. And that's a little bit of Iroh, but we do see that Iroh is not as easygoing and almost... Aloof is the word you use, and and for lack of a better one, I'm going to use that too. Like his whole I think plan. It's perfectly to, good word. Yeah, I think it's a good word. Sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Uh, I'm, I'm defending my choice of words. Okay. No, I no. Think aloof is a great word for him. <laughs> it's a good word, but I think uh, just with him, like you know, drop, you know, falling off the, jeez, whatever it is that he was on. Um, oh, those weird armored ostriches. That's that. Them's the ones. And you know, leaving his them's are scary. I would not. I would not fight those. No, no, no. But leaving his sandal on the ground, and then his chains yeah. are too loose. He's not the senile old man almost that he's made out to be. I don't. I mean, he, we know he's not senile, but he's not sort of the gentle old man that he plays to fool the Earth Nation, even that second time around with the whole uh, escape attempt. That's it. He he's still very very capable and very dangerous if you're rubbing yeah. the wrong way. To the point where, and I I need to I need to I just need to have this moment said out loud that they decide, oh man, you are so dangerous. You nearly escaped, though your hands were bound. We're gonna solve this problem by crushing your hands. Yeah, well, I mean that's the only logical solution. I mean he he firebent one of your guys off a cliff with his feet. But yes, his hands are the problem. The things that were shackled together and did not do anything during that fight. Mm-hmm. No. I just... One, I love the lack of sense that is made in that choice of, uh, I guess, punishment or attempt to control him. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, someone crushes your hands, you're going to be a little damaged. You're going to have trouble even if it is fighting with your feet, I imagine. But it's also the fact that that's a very dark move. Like that is, it, that is another one of those moments where we're kind of dipping outside of the kid friendliness. That's 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 frightening. That's yeah. It's that's the Game of Thrones level uh, a little a bit. Little bit. Um, it also what we see just on in this same storyline, I should say, um, the fact that the beginning of the storyline begins with a him being naked joke. Yes. Yes. Where two sides of the scale, the you should put on pants, and the we're gonna crush your hands for defying us. Uh, what I do like actually, before I go into what I was gonna say, you reminded me the yes, whole beginning sorry. of the scene, um, where he is in the hot spring. Is Iroh sort of like with Zuko? Zuko saying, "Hey, we gotta leave. We gotta go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go." And Iroh sort of just like, "Hey, relax. Take a chill. Come hang in the hot springs. I warm them up myself." And and he's saying it very comedic, but I almost feel like there is a deeper message. Like, hey, you need to calm down. Not everything yeah. is is life and death type situation. Um, so it's almost like a little bit of a message coming through. 
No, uh, so two takeaways from that scene I did want to go back to, actually. I'm glad you brought us there. One is, uh, I think I mentioned last episode, something I really enjoy is when benders discover a way to bend something that's slightly outside of their element. We see this with um, metal bending eventually. I would even say blood bending gets into that. Spoilers with the Fire Nation using lightning. Like, all these, like, branching off of your element a little bit. Yeah. Uh, He bends steam. Yeah. Which is technically water, which is kind of cool. It's like a weird, like, we see him do it when he heats up his um, his uh, arm wristlet to uh, yep. burn the Earth Nation yep. uh, guard. He, we see him use it to heat the pool in front of Zuko there. I think that's really cool. But I also, that was more of just a fun observation. I wanted to bring up again one of those great here is them trying to teach a lesson and hopefully people did take this away along with the other lessons we've learned so far with the uh, with Aang and his uh, family. But a self-care, take some time off. If you're stressed about something, taking a break isn't giving up. It's giving your brain a rest to try and get ready to do it again or try something else. Yes. And I think in a world with a lot of conversation about mental health, this is a really important lesson, and they were trying to preach it even back then, that it's good to take a break sometimes. Yeah. Uh, on the steam note, I think they even explain it away a little bit and saying it's like it's your breath, it's your, your fire breath. Um, oh, yeah, I, I believe that. I think, I think that's how they sort of cover that. Um, yeah. Just to continue on Zuko and, and Iroh, what I, what I also wanted to say is this episode shows that even though he does spend most of his time getting frustrated or, or being a little impatient with his uncle, you do see that Zuko really does love his uncle. Um, case in point, when Zuko was, tr- was chasing after the people who took Iroh and he sees Appa flying over top, he doesn't know that it's just Katara searching for Aang, which we're going to get to in a, in a moment. Um, yeah, the, the main part of the story, that thing we're going to get yes, to eventually. Yes, but he thinks, oh, well, that's, there's the Avatar, but uh, I should get my uncle, like, he's my uncle, and it's not clear immediately what he does, because the scene fades out, but then we do learn that, mm-hmm. that, that Zuko comes in and, and saves his uncle. So, so Zuko postponed his, his final goal, his ultimate goal, to go help to go help his uncle so there is that that love that he has and that was a nice thing to see yeah we see it again in that first um you'll remember the words i keep forgetting that that fire duel they have early on in the season uh, uh yes. where he he is ultimately proven to be the victor over the jet the other general the commander and then you know basically goes i'm not gonna kill you like i'll let you live because i'm a man of honor and i don't need to hit a man when he's down Again, he has a level of honor that goes beyond just what he what he presents. We get this level of he has a heart, he has soul, he cares about things. I mean, I know it's only vaguely hinted at, but we ultimately learn his whole goal here is to catch the Avatar to redeem himself in his father's eyes. It's not because he wants to get back into the Fire Nation. He wants to be cared for by his father. Yeah. Cared about. So, as much as he's still, like, the main bad guy that we know right now, you do start seeing these moments of humanity uh, within Zuko. And I think, even though we haven't sort of started rooting for him yet, you still sort of do in some some situations. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it just just a testament to how well written of a character he is, and how how three dimensional of a character he is. Yeah, I'm actually looking at my notes on the first episode, being like, "Yeah, so that kind of brings us to the end of his point." And the only other note I have is uh, about Iroh. I have nothing about Ang, Katara, or Sokka in this episode. Really, I mean, their story is surprisingly lacking in this episode. It really is just. Ang confronts the spirit creature, can't beat it, finds himself in the spirit world. Uh, his guidance comes in the form of Roku's spirit guide, Dragon. And then eventually just figures out he can talk to the spirit animal, calm it down, which is kind of a cool, like, hearkening back to how when they first see this burned down forest and how, like, devastated Ang is by it. Yeah. He is, he is kind of calmed by the fact that Katara points out that it'll regrow, and he gives you that exact knowledge to... Hey, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you actually marked down its name. Good call. Yeah. Hey, bye? Hey, bye, I think. I don't know how to spell yeah. it, but we I... We also just discussed, like, I, I know at the end we reveal it's the spirit of a panda. Yes. That is one creepy-looking creature with the f- extra small arms. It's, it's, it's an interesting creature. Um, I, I, yeah. One thing I will say, just to tie up the uh, Iroh and Zuko thing... Uh, one little thing I, I happen to notice. Well, it's not that little because it's pretty. It's not like they they hid it in there. When Ang is flying by on mm-hmm. Roku's that dragon, that was my last note as well. Iroh seems to notice it, even yeah. though he's in the spirit world. Well, I, Ang is in the spirit world, so I, I found that was interesting. But and not even like the like you can kind of explain away like oh he can sense their spirit no no he's full on staring at it from the time they appear on the horizon to the time they leave he watched it fly over them he was completely aware that's it I mean Iroh's always been a little more connected to the spirit world to the point where and this is going way ahead in the Legend of Korra Iroh's in the spirit world it's not clear if he if he died or if he just crossed over oh there my at some God, point I totally forgot about yeah. That. yeah. So he 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 very clearly has a deeper connection to spirits in the spirit world. It's not really I don't know if it's ever fleshed out more than this in in Avatar in, in this series, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to be curious to watch for more hints about it leading up to the end of this uh this set of books just because I feel like it's a weird thing for them to bring up and not not even like not pay off in some grand way but not reference again. Like, obviously they wrote it into this episode because they knew there was more to Iroh in the spirit world. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we maybe catch something now that we, at least I didn't notice in the first watch through. Yeah. And I'll keep it, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye out for future episodes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that, like, a lot of my notes for the Aang, uh, Sokka, and Katara portion of the story are very plot-related. Uh, not mm-hmm. so much, you know, what does this mean for the greater story related? Um, I'm just trying to go through what I see here, but yeah, a lot of it's just, you know. It ultimately felt like a really simple problem to solve, but it did two very important, it did three very important things. It again showed us Aang learning, uh, going from a lack of knowledge to discovering how to solve a problem to then solving it, which is kind of the basic plot to everything he encounters, is the, here's a situation you've never faced before, how do you solve it, you learn something, use it to solve the problem. Very, very basic, but done very well, and, a, and I, I noted down, defeat defeats it 
yes. solves the problem without conflict. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a small lesson on its own. And then we get the two bigger parts, which is the we now learn a bit more about the spirit world and the bridge between them and how that whole exists, less how it works, but exists. But we get our new goal, which is getting into the Fire Nation within 24 hours. Yeah, that, that's quite the bomb to drop at the end of this first episode. It's, hey, yeah. I need to go and get into this temple that's on this island uh, by tomorrow. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, it's in the Fire Nation. And we, the Fire Nation is the only nation up until now we haven't visited yet. And obviously being the main True. antagonist nation, it's been sort of presented as this like foreign... Foreign, foreign place that you would think being it's a it's an uninviting land that nobody we have no reason to have to go there unless we've been captured or final conflict so to go there now seems so out of place exactly conventional storytelling would say that this is way too early to go into the fire nation but i, I like the twist I, I thought the twist oh was... yeah i think it's a great little twist um so I guess with that, we kind of hit the end of part one. Yeah, I don't have anything else specific to say about part one. Maybe uh, we can reference back to it uh, as we speak about part two, if, if necessary. Uh, but yeah, I can, I can go into part two. Uh, so it's book one, episode eight, Winter Solstice, part two. Avatar Roku, this is a very short synopsis. Aang must mm -hmm. travel to the Fire Temple while battling Zuko and Zhao to receive a message from Avatar Roku. He soon finds that even the once loyal sages of the Avatar are against him. Nope. Short and sweet. And I feel my notes for this episode are fairly short and sweet because it's a lot of just information this episode. There isn't really much to comment on mm -hmm. other than what we learn. And we learn quite a bit. I mean, we learn about um, more from the vision we kind of got previously from the Dragon Spirit of this mysterious comet and that will amplify a firebender's powers. Yeah. Uh, we learn ultimately that we have a t now have a t unfortunate time limit on defeating uh, the Fire Lord Ozai because if we don't, he'll be too powerful for even the Avatar to fight. Yeah, yeah. Now it's not a question of when are you going to do it. It's you, you got to do it. Yeah, it's how soon can you get all these things learned and get there. Like You were on a budget, buddy. Yeah. Um, there's a couple smaller things I noticed in this episode also, um, starting with right at the beginning, I feel like we should mention a bit about, uh, the main gang and right at, right away, Aang is trying to bring Oppo along with him and he's saying, you know, Hey, we, we got to go alone. Uh, this is really dangerous. I don't want Katara and, um, and Sokka to get hurt. Obviously, that doesn't end up working out, mm -hmm. but you already see the deep love and protection that Aang wants to have uh, around his friends. It's almost like part Avatar responsibility, but part also just these are his friends, these are his family, and he wants to shield them. Yeah, there's several points in the episode where he does, I think two or three times, especially at the beginning as they're on Appa going into the Fire Nation where he says, this is why I didn't want you coming along, I didn't want to put you in danger. Like, he's still yeah. thinking about them and their safety, despite doing something incredibly dangerous, and them going, too bad, we're going to stick with you to the end. Yeah, 
And now finally Zuko's on their tail also as they're flying in. Uh, they had sort of been separated a little bit. I mean, in the past, in our last episode that we recorded, we didn't see Zuko very much, uh, just until the end, actually. Um, yeah. So now the stories are finally intertwining a little bit again. Um, and, and it's interesting because, obviously, we know that Aang going into the Fire Nation is, is dangerous, being the Avatar. But Zuko going in there is just as dangerous for him, uh, what with being the banished prince and being... It's heavily alluded to that there would be some very severe consequences to him as well if he's caught in the Fire Nation. Yeah, and I really like this is the first time we see Iroh not being fun and lighthearted. He is being serious. He is speaking with a heavy tone. He is like, no, you cannot do this. This is so stupid. Turn around. Stop it. Yeah, but, you know, Zuko being Zuko, being obsessed with reclaiming mm-hmm. his honor by means of capturing the Avatar, he, he's not, he's beyond listening at this point. And, and the stare down with him and Zhao as they cross paths, uh, very oh. ominous. Yeah, yeah just very ominous. Two, two men who, who have a very clearly a strong dislike of each other. Um, and then we get into the temple. And we encounter the Fire Sages. and Who, of course, like every other Fire Nation citizen, are super pro-Fire Nation and super not pro-Avatar. Yeah, except for one. Yes. And, and I, like the, the, I like, again, showing us that even in this nation of people who are seen as such villains, there are still some who side with the Avatar. And if there's one, there's probably more, and they're probably equally as low numbers and probably equally as hidden. Yeah, that's it. Uh, shout out to Shayu. I, I wrote his name down also. I guess, um, I'm going to leave the name writing to you, but I should, I should start taking note of them sometimes. Nah, it's okay. Uh, interesting quote from Sokka. Once when Shayu sort of says, I'm a friend, like, I want to help you. He says, firebenders aren't our friends. So definitely just an indication of how the war has definitely affected mm-hmm. that, that type of thinking. Is that, oh, you're a firebender, you are an enemy. And generally, that's quite true. So you, you can't really blame Sokka too much for being very wary of this, of this stranger who up until a few moments ago was part of an attacking party. 100%. And I mean, you can't blame him for feeling the way he does about Fire Nation. The fact that they even accept his help like i i'm i almost would have expected Sokka to be like no no don't care how much you say you're on our side get out of here you're fire nation you're you're dirt and having to do a little more convincing i guess given the circumstances and limited time of the nature of their visit he didn't have that luxury to be racist but yeah. i'm surprised by how quickly he turned around and accepted yes no that's it so you know he has some reason to be against the Fire Nation. They killed his mother. Oh, fully, fully. They, fully. They've destroyed his town. They've just generally not been good, but it's hard. No, he has every right to be the way he is, and the fact that he, again, was able to put that aside for someone who claimed to be on their side and help them, I think is a great growing point for him, and it helps us grow as an audience with views of the Fire Nation and their people. It is. We have to keep in mind that all of these main characters, uh, aside from Iroh, I guess, but Zuko, Sokka, Katara, Aang, they're all teenagers at most. Like, I think Sokka's mm-hmm. probably about the same age as Zuko, if I had to estimate. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, he, he's, not a, he's not an adult, otherwise he would have gone off, uh, I believe, to war with his dad um, if he had been of age. But 
Oh, that's a good point, actually, yeah. So, we have to keep and in mind... Do we know which then is the older sibling? Sokka's older than Katara. Okay, I, I, I was fairly certain, I just couldn't remember for sure if they'd brought it up or not. No, he's older. I don't know the exact age difference. I'm sure if you looked it up here, you would find it. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure the wikis have greatly detailed these... This, I'm sure his birthday and the time of day he was born are all listed somewhere. Yeah. But all that to say that, keep in mind that the way these characters are also being written is as teenagers, and teenagers don't have the most fleshed out and sophisticated of opinions or thoughts. And I'm not saying True. just anti-Firebender is not sophisticated, but it's very easy for Sokka, who's only had bad experiences with the Firebenders, to just right away say, you know, no, nah, Firebenders, no, we don't. Oh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think the fact they're written as teens lets them get away with a bit more simple writing, not to call teens simple. I mean, emotions are emotions, but I think it does give us a bit of chance to, it gives the writing staff a chance to relax what they need to say while still being able to share very complex points and growing. I agree. I agree. Um, so I do want to kind of tackle uh, how much I love their plan to open the door. Yeah. That we get to see Sokka being really smart and trying something really cool. Uh, that even though it fails, we see a really great plan formed out of it. And yes, we have a comic relief of Aang with the have they changed the definition of genius in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. Funny, funny. Uh, but I think genuinely a great strategy to trick them into opening the door i thought about the whole entire scene which is beautiful it was a great idea first of all with Sokka saying i have an idea and like they zoom out and you have the lantern above his head um yeah which i thought was a little bit of visual humor yes yeah but it, it is good to see Sokka start to be able to flex his his muscle a little bit up until up ah, until this episode yeah he was really you know he was the comic relief he's sort of like ah stop touching my sister or stop doing this and stop doing that and you know, he's a bit of the comic also, foil. But if and when we can go back, actually, the previous episode, when they, when they ask Aang, is there any way we can thank you? And he's like, money and supplies. And they both look at him and he's like, we need both those things. I'm sorry. Mm. Like, it's comic relief, but it's one of those moments, too, of like, they can explain away the fact that they're able to keep traveling and have a little bit of money on them and have food to survive. Yeah. Because they're accepting help from villages they help. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know... Sokka's also, he's not portrayed as a bad fighter, but he's portrayed as not the best. So just to see him be able to come up with a plan, even if it doesn't work, it does then eventually lead to the successful plan. It's just good mm -hmm. to see him contribute strategically to, to, the, to the crew. And I like that we get this kind of like back and forth of like, here's a great plan. Oh, it didn't work. Let's trick them. Ha, that worked. Let's turn the table. Oh shit, Zuko's here. Like, we really get a full range of, like, back and forth, this little, like, ping pong match of both sides. It's just, uh, really well done. And then, even at that, yeah, uh, we, we still, we finally ultimately obviously get the conclusion, which is Aang getting in the room and getting to speak to Roku. Yes. And, uh, he, so, uh, this is where Aang learns a little bit more about, uh, how the war began. It was Fire Lord mm -hmm. Sozin who, uh, who started it up, uh, hence the name Sozin's Comet. He used that comet to start the war originally because it made him and his fellow firebenders so powerful. And it's coming around again, and 
this is what could end the war. And so you sort of see that coming around, that cycling around. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, like we we talked about it a little bit earlier in this in this episode, it just it adds that time sensitivity to the main mission, and it also kind of gives us that freedom to kind of like again write our way around the whole problem of like wouldn't take years to master these. Like yeah, but we have to rush. Why? Because there's a war going on. We we get a finite, which I think is a lot easier to take as a. It's much easier to visualize a finish line when there is something to look forward to or be upset about coming versus just being like as soon as you can but there's no there's a kind of an infinite time frame at that point. yeah agreed agreed and it it also gives us an idea i like when we learn a bit more about the avatar not just ang but the avatar the royal Avatar, I suppose the, you could the, say. The royal avatar. <laughs> the royal we of Avatar. Is, exactly, is. the royal we of Avatar. And and it's heavily implied that Aang can find a way to access Roku's wisdom whenever he needs it. And and generally, it's it, with the way Roku's like, yeah, don't worry, you've done this before. Like, you've, you've had, you have successfully learned all the elements before. It's heavily because implied as much that, as he is an individual, he is a part of a whole. Exactly. So I imagine he can talk to Roku, but he can also talk to like previous avatars uh, if needed to call upon their specific wisdom. And he does do that later on. Uh, he's only really beginning to discover the full capacity of his capabilities and, and what being the avatar means to him and to the world. And he's going to have to figure out a lot of it by himself. Or with the help of his past self. So I guess that's still sort of by himself. But it's interesting. And and he doesn't have the advantage of having like a teacher or any type of mentor. But we don't really know if any of the past avatars had specific mentors. Or if they sort of just had to go about it. But I mean, I think kind of from the, the structure of the world we see up into this point. Like every nation having a temple dedicated to the avatar, the statues. Mm having that spiritual link with the eyes glowing when he activated the Avatar state that time. I think it kind of does give us an idea that in the past, it would be like an honor for the Avatar to come to your nation and learn from one of your best vendors. Yeah. It almost seems to me like the same way, almost like as soon as in the next series of books, when Aang unfortunately passes away and we are now looking for a new Avatar, she is they're actively looking because they want to know who the new avatar is so they can start teaching. Right. No, you're right. There, there's definitely a system in place surrounding uh, surrounding the avatar. And it's probably I mean, become... with that in mind, you're now asking the avatar to do what past avatars have done over years without that infrastructure, without that guidance, without that teacher. Well, that's it. With Aang being gone for so long, it, it sort of splintered the system a little bit. Because mm-hmm. the world had had gone for such a long time, there were probably people who who were born and who died without the Avatar. Being oh, for present. sure, in a hundred years, at least a generation or two, easily. Well, that's it exactly. I don't know what the lifespan is in this universe, just seeing how primitive it, it generally is. I imagine it's not the longest, but but also who knows? Boomy's one hundred and twelve. So, <laughs> <laughs> good point. It's like, as I said, my there's some weird age stuff we discussed recently. Oh, right. The fact that the king of a town is 112 years old. Exactly. So, who, who knows? Who knows, really? But it's a pretty weird system. Yeah. But it's beside the point. It, it's, 
this this whole set of episodes is really just to introduce the spirit world, introduce Sozin's comet and what it means for Aang's quest, and to teach Aang a little bit about his spiritual self. So I think I think it also does a nice job again, like I just mentioned before, is humanizing the Fire Nation that there still are good people in the Fire Nation, and. I think that final moment of having the spirit of Roku destroying the temple, um, I don't really know how to put it into words, but it kind of gives that moment of like, here is firebending on our side. Right. No, I, I agree. I think, uh, and we see this a few more times that Fire Nation doesn't equal Fire Lord. By extension, they mm-hmm. serve and worship i guess you could say the fire lord but you know it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people um no i think that's i think that's well put um trying to think of anything else this episode i wanted to bring up and no as much as it was a really big episode a lot of cool set pieces it kind of was a really simple story Mm-hmm. Uh, again, from the design side of things, um, that entire air fight when they're on Appa and they're firing the uh, molten fireballs at them. Yeah. There was some beautiful design there when they're above the clouds and they're like peeking out over. Uh, poor Appa getting uh, grazed and then putting out the fires on him. Yeah, he's tough though. He'll he'll be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as we learn, he is officially, as Ang puts it, his spirit animal guide. Yeah. Which just... And I can't remember how much in Katara's uh, Siri, if they do it, or Katara's Siri, Korra's Siri, how much they do it, but I kind of love the image of, like, the same way he met this dragon, of her being in the spirit world, being like, oh, guide me, Aang, and this giant flying bison, like, lumpily <laughs> landing in front of her, like, I'm here to guide you. Yeah, well, I know Korra has an animal, I forget what, what he's called. But that it seems like it's a common thing that the Avatar will just have this companion. Um, oh yeah, I just think it's really funny to go from like awesome giant flying dragon to like as cool as Appa is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a funny visual. It's a little different, but Fire Nation and Air Nation, you know, yin and yang. Yeah, very very different animal companions. Exactly. Um, oh yeah, doesn't uh, Korra have the polar bear dog? Yes, that's the one. That's what they have. That's a yeah. that's a cool creature. I Don't, like that one also. Don't remember his name, but it's. Oh, uh, we'll get there. We're, we have a long we have a long journey ahead of us. Still, that's don't worry. It. That's it. We have we have still have some time. Hmm. Uh, any closing words from these two episodes you want to share before we wrap up? Because I've got not much else to say. I don't think. No. No, I think uh, I think that's it for me. No, so I guess we can happily close out our first real two-parter besides the opening uh, two-parters. Yeah. Um, again, a lot of information, a lot more world-building, a lot of takeaways that I'm hoping we'll be able to reflect on in future episodes, but uh, two very solid episodes, and to go back to our weird rating scale I've been using, <laughs> definitely not skippable episodes. No, 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 you you need to watch these. They help establish a lot of foundation. So yeah. if you're not watching this, you're going to get like Spirit World, Avatar Roku, Sozin's Comet, like what? Uh, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. No. It's a lot of knowledge bombs in this episode. Don't skip these. And regular bombs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, plain old bombs. <laughs> huh. 
It's a bomb-filled episode. Yes, very explosive. So, on that note, we will say goodbye to our earbenders, because that's what we're calling you from now on, because I'm way too proud of that pun, and I'm never going to let it go. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Glad you appreciate it. You can, again, reach out to us for corrections, comments, add-ons, things you want to know. Like we keep saying, if you don't hear from us in a while, sorry, we're doing a lot of backlog recording before we release. Yes. It'll be a while before we're super caught up with things, but we will always make time for our listeners, if and when we have any. Yep. Uh, And the way of reaching us would be? On Twitter. (gasps) On Twitter? Where would they find you on Twitter? They would find me on Twitter. They would find me on Twitter (laughs) at at Ryan W. Good, good. I'm glad you took a second take on that one. It sounded like you and I kind of broke in the middle there. Yeah, a little bit. And you will find me at BoxlessThought on Twitter. Um, Share with us what you want to share with us. But otherwise, have a great whatever time of day it is you're having. Enjoy.